Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Good morning. I've just returned from the uh, fabulous conference of the Colorado Association, which is called PPIAC, held in Denver, Colorado, uh, along with the midterm meeting for the National Council of Investigating and Security Services. It's a fabulous conference. I want to give everybody a a big round of applause and uh, uh, just uh, gratitude for, you know, such a warm welcome to everybody and a great conference, great speakers, um, great seminars, and so there you go. And uh, I understand what's upcoming. I've heard rumors that there's going to be a big Northeast conference in October 2018. There'll be more to come on that, but keep your ears and eyes open for promotions on that because it's going to be a big one. So today we're going to talk about Snapchat. Snapchat. And I'm here to introduce you to Edward Ajaw. I'm going to I told you I was going to mess this up, Ed. <laughs> you say it. You say your name. Ed Ajab. Ed Ajab. Okay. See, I knew I was going to do that. So, <laughs> Ed, welcome to the show. Um, and I'm really excited about this topic uh, about Snapchat because I don't think a lot of people that are over the age of 40 know any much about it, um, other than maybe they use it with their kids. So, um, But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Francis. Hello to listeners. Um, so I'm a uh, PI based in uh, Washington, D.C., um, and my specialty is um, online investigation, so open source research, due diligence, and social media. Um, and when I say social media, um, I, I, I include Facebook and Twitter and, and the obvious, but also um, a variety of other applications and ways people connect to the outside world. Um, and since the Internet really, and, and now even mobile apps, have changed the way we interact with the world uh, around us and the people uh, in our lives, um, I took a special liking and interest in these um, developing applications and understanding their uses for um, private investigators. Um, so I, I grew up in the technology age. This is my passion, um, you know, computers, connectivity, social media, internet, design, applications. Um, and so my comparative advantage in this industry is really knowing how to use these technologies uh, to stay ahead mm-hmm. of the curve and, uh, and, and know how to use these tools to uncover as, as, uh, as much information as possible. Interesting. And, and, and you know, I had Cynthia Hetherington on the show a, a couple, three weeks ago, and you, you've permit, presented with her and, and uh, know her fairly, fairly well. Yes, definitely. In fact, um, I, I owe Cynthia so much credit. Um, really, it was, a, it was a few years ago at her first 
uh, inaugural osmosis conference, uh, the third one of which is coming up again in a couple weeks, um, which, which really got me uh, started into looking into doing this um, as a business. And so many of those tools and techniques and stuff by Oda Cynthia and her team and the groups of speakers that she has come in, it was, it's really fascinating. Um, and I'm, uh, I always look forward to, uh, to her uh, presenting. That's great. So how did you become a private investigator, Ed? Um, well, I've been doing um, research and investigative work in, in basically one form or another or so for the last maybe 10 to 12 years. And it was probably going back to when I was a teenager. Um, I interned with my local county district attorney's office um, looking into, you know, arrest records and kind of um, helping the DA in the county court system. Um, I also uh, assisted the clerk of the U.S. Bankruptcy Court, so I was doing a lot of asset research, seeing what kind of property people had, looking into public records there, um, and then it came down to Washington, D.C. to do an externship with the U.S. Marshal Service. So there we were doing asset forfeiture and kind of understanding the laws and stuff of surveillance and and uh, fugitive recovery. Um, and then I really got my formal start um, after college. I um, My first job was a paralegal with the Justice Department here in D.C. Um, and there we worked on a lot of antitrust cases, so that involved a lot of um, financial investigations, putting cases together, uh, reading about the law, um, reading about witness statements, gathering intelligence. And I kind of decided, well, you know, do I want to go to law school and go into litigation or do I want mm-hmm. to kind of pursue an avenue where I can keep doing this detective work, this investigating? Uh, so that's what hmm. I decided to do. My, my next uh, step after that was working for a consulting group um, as an investigative researcher and intelligence analyst. And many projects there um, involved a lot of political research. So kind of understanding the people, the organizations, the networks, the legislative issues and how everything is connected um, finances are going, um, public records, regulatory disclosures, mm. things like that. Um, and so that's, that's when I became introduced to uh, Cynthia and a lot of these folks who work on uh, these new age social media and open source intelligence techniques. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, um, I started my own business, sort of doing uh, along the same lines of that of social media, uh, open source, and online investigation. So it's been... Um, it's been an interesting path, and especially when just not too long ago I considered law school and litigation, but I, I, uh, I really find this field um, fascinating, innovative, uh, and the ability to be uh, creative and collaborative. I'm sure you're having more fun than if you were going to law school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's for sure. But, you know, your path has been so interesting because uh, your degree, your bachelor's is in government and history, correct? Correct, yep. Yeah, and so usually to get the kind of jobs that you found, uh, you need a law degree usually. Right, exactly. And I think um, it was kind of that shadowing experience to, to kind of see what it's like in the world of uh, working for the district attorney and work, working for the court system and, and working yeah. for the um, the Justice Department, which, which kind of put me in an advantage because I can see what what goes into making these cases happen and, um, and, and really what I really sunk my teeth into was the ability to get involved in the, 
um, the detective and the investigation process behind how all those cases happen. Yeah, that, I can see that would be a distinct advantage to to have worked behind the scenes the Justice Department. That's amazing. Okay, so... Oh, and I did want to say something about your your business name. We were talking offline. Your business name is Nighthawk Strategies, and I thought that was a unique name. I think there's a story behind that. Yeah, so it's um, it kind of came from a, a, a nickname I used to have because I'm kind of a night owl. I love I, I, for some reason I get more energy at the end of the day than I do at the beginning of the day, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. um, you know I was nicknamed Nighthawk by. Um, some former colleagues of mine is kind of our my uh, my um, the the term that they used to describe how my my uh, my clock uh, work when it came around these research <laughs> products and investigations. I would go all into the night and realize that it was two a.m. and I'm like, oh, I, I should probably stop and go to bed at some point. And so the name Nighthawk kind of kind of stuck. And uh, now I I like it because. Um, a lot of the work that I do is looking into the deep web and the dark web. So Nighthawk, dark web, it's kind of like, uh-huh, that's kind of a creative way to look at. And, yeah, uh, you know, I describe myself as being able to see the things that other folks can't. Um, being able to, like, look for those things, have specialized skills, know what I'm flying into, um, and being able to pick up those signals and stuff by having that, that specialized skill set. Do you have special glasses that you can see beyond? Yeah, That's a joke. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a, a, an innate uh, innate ability, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about Snapchat first of all. You know, let's let's say, would you describe what Snapchat is? Sure. So, Snapchat um, Snapchat's been around for a couple years now. It is a tool where um, users can take photos or videos of themselves and um, and send it to other friends um, um, through the devices, or, or sorry, through the application's uh, platform. So if I want to take a picture here, I'm on vacation or whatever, I take a photo and I can send it to someone. And the reason that it's different from a text message is because the photo or video only displays for a certain number of seconds and then it goes away uh, permanently. So if you want, and they've incorporated some features where you can replay it one time or you can add these special effects and um, you know, dog ears or cat faces and things like that. So it's a fun tool for kind of people communicating that way, and the messages will will disappear. Um, but they've they've kind of changed the program a little bit over the last uh, few years to kind of keep up with programs like Instagram and Facebook, who are incorporating similar features there. So to keep up, they've added this um, Snap Map feature, which which is what I wrote my uh, my feature about. Yeah, you wrote an article in Pursuit Magazine uh, regarding Snapchat that was called uh, Snapchat's new Snap Map, Map, a powerful tool for investigators. So um, tell us how about the Snap Map. Sure. So Snap Map it was a new feature that Snapchat rolled out a couple months ago. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to see a map, kind of like a Google Map, with these different colored, like like a heat map or different colored orbs on it that will tell you where Snapchatters are um, sending activity. So um, to give an example, I was out at the National Mall by the Washington Monument a couple weekends ago, 
And, you know, it was just kind of taking some photos of the scenery and everything. And then I chose to upload it, instead of sending it to a friend, um, upload it to the Snap Map. So, therefore, anyone else who has the uh, Snapchat app can go on and look at the map and see um, my little short video of the scenery by the Washington Monument or really anything else in the world that anyone chooses to share and upload to the map. Mm. So, um, that, that feature really kind of opened my eyes to some of the possible uses that investigators could get out of it, that detectives can get out of it, or even for security analysts who want to know what's going on in a particular location in real time. Um, so this map feature is cool for people who just want to explore around and say, hey, what's happening in this neighborhood? Or maybe I've got some friends out, um, and your friends' icons will appear on the map if they choose to share their location. So I can see you know, my friend, you know, Jim and Rob and whoever are seem to be all at the National Zoo today. Maybe there's something cool going on, and I can see um, videos and stuff that folks have chosen to upload to the map in that location. So do you have to actually upload to the map, or can you just upload it like you normally do? Um, yeah, when you take a photo and then you click the send button, it will give you a list of who you want to send it to. So you can choose oh, okay. to send it to a couple friends. You can choose to send it to a group, like a group chat, or you can choose to, to uh, submit it to what's called Our Story. And Our Story is uh, Snapchat's big catalog of everything happening in your area. So if you want it to show up on the map, you have to select Our Story, and then probably within 15 minutes or so um, on the back end, it'll, it will appear on the map for the public to see. Okay, and, but, this, but it still only lasts a short time. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So far in testing, they've lasted about 24 hours. um, And they, um, they, um, when you're on the map and you want to see what's going on in a location, you just tap your finger over an area. Let's say I just zoom out to um, the uh, Washington Monument and I tap that area. And there might be five or 10 or 15 or so uh, videos that play back to back from different users. and they play in reverse chronological order. So the most recent to the latest, and it goes back about 24 hours. So it really is truly uh, about as real time as you can get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so first of all, Snapchat is an app, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you can get it on your applications feature, on your whether it's an iPhone or a uh, whatever, phone Galaxy or whatever. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, then how do you get to the Snap Map? Uh, so once you download the application, it'll probably ask you to register and that sort of thing. And when you get to the camera screen, it looks just like your phone's camera. Um, it'll have a button to take a picture of yourself and then you know add a funny or creative filter to it. Um, but if you um, squeeze that screen, it, almost like you're zooming out of that uh, camera window, if you pinch uh-huh. that screen... Um, it will flip to the map. And then from there, you use it just like you would any other Google map um, on your desktop, and you will see like a heat index, a heat map of, uh, it's kind of like what we're seeing on like a Doppler radar, like here's a lot of activity here in in Times Square. Um, There must Uh be lots of people sending uh, snaps in that one area. And so then you can um, access that and then go and view what what other people have. 
Okay. And then uh, if you want to see a, a particular one, how do you get to that? You so just tap the, on um, it? The snapmap. Yep, you just tap on an area. You can zoom out as far as an entire city, and it will play, of, of course, dozens and dozens of, of snaps. But you can also zoom in quite close. Um, in my testing, I've zoomed in as close as a city block or depending on the density of the area in, and even a specific household um, where you're mm. going to see one tiny, lonely, blue-greenish orb. Um, and that means that there's probably one or two uh, active snap videos coming from that location. So you can, you can really adjust it to what you want to see in what areas, or you can get really granular um, if you want to know what's going on at one very specific uh, location. And is it possible to, pres- once, you, once you access that, is it possible to preserve it somehow? Uh, you can. I think there are some um, applications and uh, you can install on an iPhone or an Android device that will allow you to record what's going on on your screen. So when I do um, teaching and demonstrations um, on a mobile device or even on my desktop, I have a program that records my screen so I can send someone a, a step-by-step tutorial video. Um, there's apps you can download that will save your screen and take screenshots of it, or you can take a screenshot um, using the buttons on your phone. So for the iPhone, you press the combination of buttons that will take a screenshot. You can take a screenshot of that video. And the interesting thing is with Snapchat, if I send you a snap uh, picture or video and you screenshot it, um, normally it will let that user know that they've been screenshotted. So it's like it will rat on you if you are misbehaving. But uh, with Snap <laughs> Map, <laughs> with Snap Map uh, because it's public and because you're sharing it's our story, um, it, it would not be possible for, for them to alert you for everyone uh, taking screenshots of it. So you're giving them permission to share it publicly on a map for all users to see. You can go ahead and screenshot away and in our testing, it did not alert the uh, uploader, the sender, that uh, their photo was being um, screenshotted. And it also doesn't let the public know the exact username of the person who sent it. So there is kind of a two-way privacy channel there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and is there an app you recommend that, uh, that you were talking about would, that would preserve it on your phone? Um. You know, none that I know offhand. I know that if you search around, I think CNET has some good um, articles, and uh, TechCrunch will probably have some recommendations um, on apps. And they're really for um, look for like trainer apps. If you do a lot of demonstrations on your phone and you need to save a video uh, of what you're doing, um, a lot of those developers will have some advice on on those uh, different applications that will do that. Mm-hmm. And talk about the privacy part of, a little bit, the privacy settings and all that. How does that work? Sure. So um, I have Snapchat, of course, and so I'm I'm using it um, in in what what is called ghost mode. So if I'm using Snapchat and I'm looking on the map um, to see what's going on, um, my friends can I, I can choose to let my friends either see where I'm at. Um, with a little logo, a little uh, cartoon character where I am, or I can choose to go into ghost mode, which will not share my location with my friends. So um, I've noticed that the overwhelming number of people who have it actually have it on ghost mode. They don't want to share the location 24 hours a day. 
Um, but you can choose to do that if you don't want to be discovered by your friends. Um, in all cases, um, your specific location and your specific username won't be displayed to people in the public who are not your friends who see your activity or your uploads on the map. So if you're worried about you know, someone seeing your username um, attached to a video, that won't happen unless you specifically send it to another individual. So it, 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 uh, it won't reveal too much about the sender. Um, it'll just say um, just that it was sent four hours ago or was uploaded to the map about four hours ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I know you've used this in investigations, so t- give us some examples. Sure. So um, some of the more recent ones have been, um, you know, with the, with the Hurricane Harvey in Texas and then Hurricane Irma in Florida and now Maria hitting Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. It, it's become uh, an interesting for people who do media monitoring Mm-hmm. Um, or, or situational awareness, or even public safety, um, they can see uh, again in almost real time um, what individual people are uploading, what in, what individual people are seeing, where it may be difficult for the news media to get there. Um, we've seen a, a lot of pictures um, um, in the news of all different kinds of events where the media will share a 10-second clip or maybe a few pictures on their website. Um, and since today, everyone is taking photos and videos and sharing them to social media. Um, the, uh, the, the interesting application for, for these natural disasters is that we can see from particular households inside and out what's going on and, and kind of understand from a public safety perspective um, how to best respond or what the situation looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another example is um, things like workers' compensation or insurance fraud. Uh, if you know where a target lives, you can actively watch uh, for activity on, on the SNAP map where they live or where they work. Um, it, it gives you the ability to be very granular and zoom in on a city block or even a house. So the location is pretty accurate. So, if you've got someone who is uh, suspected of insurance fraud or some sort of fraud, and you see them on Snapchat, you know, on a trampoline in their backyard, you, that would probably raise a red flag, and that's kind of one way to see maybe something they would be more reluctant to share on Facebook or Twitter because it has their name tied to it. Uh, SnapMap is just kind of a, a, uh, an overview of what's happening in a particular location. Um, and another example is, um, um, especially in Washington, D.C., there's always a lot of rallies and uh, protests and marches and things like that. And it's become mm-hmm. a really interesting tool to see um, what, what kind of situation is going on in the ground. Like, how many people do we have protesting in front of the White House, the Capitol? Um, you know, what, um, who, who are they? What, what kind of banners and signs are they holding? What does the crowd size look like? And we can see over a period of time how those crowds grow, how they get smaller, who comes and goes, um, whereas the news just kind of gets there, takes their shot, and, and then goes home. Um, we can really monitor how events of all kinds, uh, whether they are um, protests, rallies, or even natural disasters, kind of see how those things unfold uh, in real time, in addition to using it as a tool for um, fraud investigations and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so um, so Ed, take us. Well, we've got about four minutes to a break, but take us. Can you kind of take us through a step by step process of what you do if you if you want to uh, look into something like that? Sure. So. Um, what you would have to do is once you have the Snapchat application uh, on, your, on your mobile device um, is to go ahead and open it. And then the first thing that will load will be your uh, camera. So from there, you can uh, take a photo or a video to send it to a friend or whoever. So on that screen, you just pinch that screen as if you were zooming out on a map, that gesture with your thumb and index finger. Um, pinch that screen, and it will flip over to a map with your current location. Now, if you're opening it for the first time, it'll ask you um, if you want to share your location with your friends only, and then you can choose from there to share it or to be in ghost only. Um, And then from there, just look around the map, look in your neighborhood, um, particular areas of interest. It could be anywhere in the world. I, I, I spent, I don't know how much time just kind of exploring you know, Italy uh, on the map, like places I've never been to in these really small areas and really specific locations. Um, You can pick anywhere where you see the heat map active. So if there's a big red orb over New York City or Los Angeles or something, there's a lot of activity going on there. As you zoom in, it gets more granular. So you can see, well, um, there must be a Yankees game going on right now because all of that activity is consolidated over Yankee Stadium. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if you tap on it, um, if you tap on it with your finger, it will proceed to play all of the uh, snap videos that people have taken and then uh, chosen to upload to our story. And so it will play the most recent first and then go back up to uh, 24 hours before. Um, and then let's say you zoom out again and want to go to another area um, and you find something interesting, maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a target you're investigating or a specific location you're monitoring, you hit, you tap um, the map again where you see that colored uh, orb, and uh, you can take a screenshot from there. You can take multiple screenshots um, and save them to your phone camera roll um, where you can uh, use them later potentially. Interesting. Very interesting. So I, I can I can see how this has the potential to take over your life, like Facebook does. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you could spend you could spend hours pursuing all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the case you're working on. <laughs> exactly. Some some of them get pretty interesting, I will say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. Ed, we'll be right back. Um, folks, stay tuned because we have more to learn about Snapchat. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're back. I'm here with Ed- Edward um, Ajab. Did I do that right, Ed? Yes. <laughs> okay. Edward Jab, he is uh, with his company, is Nighthawk Strategies, and we're talking about Snapchat and those kinds of uh, wonderful tools that we have available to us today. So, uh, Ed, you mentioned that uh, you were monitoring, like, demonstrations in front of the White House and things like that. So, how would you use the information you gathered on those demonstrations? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've had a, a um, couple clients who are interested in sort of the, the a lot of the ongoing political climate in D.C. And um, you know, one big thing the National Park Service um, it, it tries to monitor is um, the the permits for rallies and protests and marches and all those kinds of things going on in D.C. So I've had a couple of cases where um, I was asked by a client just to do some um, media monitoring and situational awareness when it came to um, how many folks were showing up and, and what the crowd, uh, not just what the crowd size looked like, but how they were, how they were moving, what the demonstrations looked like, um, and that sort of thing. So um, for some folks who are interested in security, um, and security policy, or maybe their, um, their company is um, interested in public events that are going on if they're not located in D.C., this is a great tool for using that to... Um, kind of see what's going on on the ground. And because um, D.C. Is, is, is really such a hotbed for a lot of these um, protests and, and demonstrations and gatherings, um, it's really helped get an extra set of eyes on the situation um, mm-hmm. that's, that may, might not be provided by um, traditional social media or the news media. I can certainly see how law enforcement could 
use this or um, Secret Service or the FBI could use something like this to identify adverse groups, um, terrorist activities, all kinds of things like that. It sounds fascinating. Exactly, yeah, because this, 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 um, this tool has the ability to see what's going on really what any what anybody chooses to share um, to the map. So it could be in someone's living room, in their backyard, or, you know, out in, out in public spaces. So it, 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 its uses are really as, as far as your imagination can take you. So Facebook has something like this. What, what are the differences? Yeah, so Facebook and, and even um, Periscope as well have um, – Periscope is another app um, – kind of like uh, 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 Twitter and Snapchat put together. It will allow you to live stream something going on and share it with the world. Um, and um, the location isn't quite as granular and specific as SnapMap is. And SnapMap will give you the ability to kind of do it sort of anonymously where you can look at the map and take screenshots and, and view videos multiple times. They won't disappear after you viewed them once, um, but they person-to-person Snapchat picture would. Um, so really, it allows you to do it um, sort of anonymously. It allows you to do it. Um, you can customize you, your, um, your searches. You can go to any location. You don't have to be in that location to see uh, that video. Um, some of the drawbacks would be you can't really search by keyword because it's just a lot of curated videos and whatever people feel like sharing. So there's no way mm-hmm. to type in protest or, um, you know, demonstration or something like that and see what's going on. You just kind of have to use it for um, its purpose as a location-based social media tool. Okay, so I got a little uh, confused there. You're talking about Periscope when you're talking about that, is correctly? Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Periscope is not quite as... um, Okay. The location isn't quite as specific and, and granular as, as Snapchat is. So uh, on Snapchat, can you type in a person's name or a location and go someplace? Um, you can search a uh, location, and really you can just drag the map around anywhere you want. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't let you search by user unless you're friends with that user. Okay. So if I'm friends, um, I can see where my friends are if they choose to share their location. Um, but otherwise, it's just showing you um, any videos that were taken in that location okay. within Got the it. last 24 hours. Got it. But if you were friends with somebody, you could type in their name and locate them. Correct. Yep. You'll see their little cartoon character appear on the screen, and you'll see what they're doing and what they're up to. And, um, you know, if they're at a concert or something, they'll be congregated in that area and um and that just kind of gives you a view of what friends are doing when, when snapchat unveiled this um a couple months ago their introductory video to kind of introduce it to the market was hey you can use this to see what your friends are up to like if you see a bunch of people out in chinatown watching um something cool or you see them at a concert or they're you know some club or party or whatever, follow them and see what they're doing. Use Snapchat to connect with your friends and also use it as a way to just kind of see what's bubbling around your neighborhood or around this. Interesting. Very interesting. So, um, so you, 
you were saying that uh, a workers' comp case. So, see, you weren't friends with that person. You could just zero in in their neighborhood and and check out and see if there was anything specific going on related to that person. Correct. Yeah. If you have a general idea of um, a, lo- a specific location you want to search, like a like a city block or a house or maybe someone's place of employment. Um, other places they go, you could zoom in on those locations and just sort of actively monitor it for any activity. And you're not guaranteed to find something. And even if you do, it won't have the username of that person. So unless it's a, um, you know, really clear video or something, you might get lucky and, and see that person, um, mm-hmm. you know, out at um, somewhere nearby their home or at their work sharing something to the map. And it will be specific to the location uh, at which it was taken. So it's, um, it's pretty valuable, especially if you have a specific address in mind for where you want to monitor for, um, for that activity. And um, there are tools out there, many, many of them, that will allow you to, to search for geotagged social media posts. Um, and for some listeners who, who um, um, aren't familiar with geotag, if I tweet out something and and, I'm, and I have my location services on on my phone, it will also tweet out my location. So if someone loads up a map, um, they could see um, where specific tweets are coming from um, and where they might be. And a lot of companies use this as a security measure to see if someone tweeting anything threatening against the company or um, in a specific location and, and, and saying something that they might be interested uh, interesting to them. Um, so what what this feature will will um, will do with Snapchat is Snapchat isn't picked up by those traditional tools. So this is just one more um, tool that you should have in your toolbox when you're interested when you have an address when you have a specific location and you want to gather as much information as possible about that area. And and is there a way to integrate the Snap Map or Snapchat in with these other programs? Um, sure. If there's, um, there's a lot of uh, tools out on the market that will allow you to monitor um, uh, specific locations for social media activity like Facebook or Instagram and, and YouTube, even um, Twitter. And not a lot of content is, is, is really geotagged anymore, and some of it is, and it really depends on the user and how they've adjusted their privacy settings. So um, while there's no there's not yet a way to integrate Snapchat into it because Snapchat is more of a mobile-only uh, platform, um, uh-huh. it's just another tool that you can have to sort of supplement um, any active monitoring tools that you have that are already picking up the other traditional social media platforms. Interesting. So, Ed, what? Um, this is just one of the many things in your toolbox. What else can you share with us? Yeah. So, um, kind of going along these lines is, you know, we're, when we hear social media or online investigations, a lot of the first things that come to mind are Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So, the average user is is kind of. I don't want to say wising up, but, but they understand that there's a lot of privacy implications and that people have been found doing things on Facebook before that have made it into an investigation um, that have, you know, potentially gotten them in trouble or whatever. And, uh, of, of course, it's 
still going to continue to happen. But what investigators um, should be aware of is that we have to start augmenting those traditional um, social media platforms with these other um, um, other variety of apps like Snapchat and kind of thinking outside the box when it comes to um, how we're going to use social media to our advantage. So it's not necessarily something like a profile, like a Facebook profile or a Twitter, Twitter feed or an Instagram profile. It's uh, using apps like Snapchat to sort of supplement the information that we're getting directly from the user. Mm-hmm. Um, and another example of that is um, uh, websites that you can go to that on the surface seem pretty average, pretty ordinary, just like Snapchat. It's just another tool that people stay connected with. Um, is a website, uh, Goodreads. Uh, Goodreads is for book enthusiasts. Um, you can share books that you've read, books that you want to read. Uh, you can leave reviews for books. Um, but you can really tell a lot about a person based on what they read. So um, the Goodreads website will have a profile for people. Um, you know, in order to use this site, you have to register, and you can import your list of books that you want to read or the list of books that you have read. And so um, it, uh, Goodreads has actually been a useful tool for me before um, when kind of looking for an individual's social, uh, digital footprint on the Internet. I found their Facebook, I found their Twitter, and, you know, that's about it. But then I can find their Goodreads profile, the profile on the Goodreads website, and I can see, oh, they're suddenly reading a lot of books about how to pick locks or, you know, how to... <laughs> or about serial murderers. <laughs> Right, and so it's it's coming very interesting. Now, this isn't a smoking gun by any means. It might just be you know something they're interesting in, in reading in, you know, sci-fi, but it is interesting because it gives you that another piece to the puzzle. So if you if you've read their Facebook and you've gone through their digital footprint and you're just gathering as much information as you can, it it doesn't hurt to sort of piece that into your puzzle to kind of see um, where the person's interests and motives may be. Um, and another very similar example to that is this might freak people out that you might actually go and, and, and check to see if this is open to, but uh, Amazon. Everybody shops on Amazon, and um, Amazon has a list feature. So if you really want something and you can't buy it right now, but you don't want to lose that page, mm-hmm. uh, you can add it to your wish list. But what Amazon does by default is make your wish list public for the really? entire world to <laughs> see. Yeah. Really? So, you know, I can go to Amazon Wishlist and click on find a list or a registry and then type in somebody's name. Um, if it's a common name, you're going to get a few. You might have to sift through. Um, but I can type in the name of my friend and see, oh, he's added a bunch of stuff to his wish list. You know, he's got some, a bicycle helmet. He's got some, you know, things in there um, that he, may, he wants to get. So just like Goodreads, Amazon Wishlist is another, you know, seemingly normal, everyday website. Everybody uses it. It seems completely irrelevant to an investigation unless you have a receipt or something. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you use these seemingly normal tools for social interaction and social engagement, um, you can really begin to see the value of how they could add up in an investigation. So... Um, um, 
uh, an example of some things that I found just searching through Amazon wishlist. And by the way, with Amazon wishlist, you can search by name uh, or by email address. So if you have an email address, great, that'll bring you right to the individual. Um, right. And if you have a name, uh, of course, you can, you can do some process of elimination to see that too. Um, I found things like fitness equipment, construction equipment uh, in those wish lists, uh, things for their car, maybe decals or stickers. So if you're doing surveillance and you're like, you know, um, you, know you see a New York Giants decal on their rear windshield and you, you notice that that was also on their wish list at one point, um, mm-hmm. that might help you in, in your investigation. Um, additionally, if you have a subject who you think might be embezzling, or committing fraud, um, mm-hmm. and you see that they've added all of these, you know, $3,000 TV, home entertainment system, things to their wish list, uh, that may signal a red flag. Um, and the beauty of this is, as if this hasn't um, caused enough anxiety already, is that it tells you the date that it was added to the wish list. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So if- you know, I... Just what comes to mind is if anybody in the world thinks they have privacy on about anything, they don't. It's they have their head in the exactly. sand. If they think there's any kind of privacy out there. Fascinating, exactly, exactly. And and really, this is just like Snapchat intended. You know, this is a feature where people can connect with your friends and have fun and see what's going on. You know, if if I know my friend's birthday is coming up, and I want to find him on Amazon and you know send him a gift from his wish list. Um, th- th- that's why Amazon makes it so easy to do that. And really, like you just said, it, it's, it really comes down to privacy and how much someone is comfortable with sharing or how much they really know is even available, is even out there. And by default, a lot of the websites we use and a lot of the applications we have on our phones, by default, are set to share everything or share quite a bit or at least share more than um, the typical person would be comfortable with. Well, it makes me wonder uh, if Amazon Prime, where you can get, get download your music, can you also access that? Um, you know? Then I, I don't believe you can. I know there are a lot of um, other apps, like Spotify is one. You can kind of see if your friends send you playlists and, and curate things for you and share it. Um, but this wish list feature, at least for now, um, you can see what movies and books mm-hmm. they've added to their wish list. Um, and you can just think of the infinite number of possible things you would want to buy on Amazon. So if somebody's looking to make a purchase decision, they might go online to Amazon and do some research and add some things to the wish list. So I mean, I even know what kind of shampoo some people use, and it gets really, uh, <laughs> it, it gets really interesting when you are um, analyzing your target's purchasing decisions because purchasing decisions tell you a lot about that person's um, you know, their income, what they're spending money on, what they have in their home, um, what they're seeking to acquire. So that, that really could be, um, you know, for some folks, a very, very critical piece in their investigation. It, for sure. It certainly could be. That's fascinating. I had no idea. Okay. So uh, that, those are, I mean, you've just given us Amazon. Um, you've given us uh, Goodreads. Anything yeah, else? And uh, um, well, there, there's there's so much more else. Um, I've got another one that I'm working on a piece 
on uh, right now on Venmo. And just like I said with, um, with Amazon, um, Venmo is an app that's owned by PayPal. A lot of people are familiar with PayPal. You can you know, send money to people and, you know, for a gift or if you're buying something from them. So, you know, I go out to dinner with friends and one guy picks up the bill and then we all Venmo him, meaning, you know, we all just open up the app, type in, you know, 50 bucks or $20, $20 and send it to him. And it goes, it's just a complete, you know, bank to bank transfer um, in the app. It's great if you, as a cash substitute and way to transfer money to people quickly. Um, that is also another app that has a social function to it where mm-hmm. it will, um, you can add friends to it um, uh, and you can uh, see other people's transactions if they have um, not chosen to keep them private. So um, a lot of these apps, when you download them, the first thing they ask you is, let us import your phone contacts and let us import your Facebook friends because, you know, this app will be so much great if you can connect with all your friends. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another critical piece for investigators because a lot of these apps will draw from those phone contacts or those Facebook friends. And if you can't see inside someone's phone or on their Facebook profile, a lot of these third-party apps uh, Venmo and Snapchat and Amazon and Goodreads will really give you some good ideas of who they're interacting with and what some of their interests are and their hobbies and their purchasing decisions. So I'm thinking that if you um, then got the name of one person, you could also connect them and look and see what they're doing and see what they're doing with the person that is your ta- the target of your investigation. Exactly. And I'll give another quick example with Venmo. Um, So once again, Venmo is is a way for people to transfer money to each other for any, you know, you bought a gift for for someone and I'm going to go in half with you. So I send you the other half. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're able able to locate an individual profile on Venmo and Venmo also has a web-based platform, if you're able to locate someone's profile on there, um, you can see their friends if they've added any or if they've imported any contacts. So that right there is, is, could be a gold mine. Um, mm-hmm. And you can also see their transactions if they haven't chosen to keep them private. And it won't tell you the dollar amount, but it'll tell you from whom and to whom and what for. So for me, it'll say, Eddie paid Ben $25 for um, you know, half of the gift for our, a birthday gift for someone else. Uh-huh. Um, a, a case I've used before was um, or uh, was uh, skip tracing. Could not find the address of this of an individual. You know, the most recent known address, last known address was not really reliable. Um, it was you know proven to be a, a, a negative. So. Um, Venmo came in handy when we saw on that individual's profile every month on the first of the month, they were making a rent and utilities payment to someone. So (laughs) maybe they're crashing on their couch and they're splitting the bills. We just go to person number two and look them up in a public records database or or do some searching on them and bam, we have an address. And it's it's reliable because we have those tools to see um, uh, that those transactions were happening um, only a matter of days before. 
Fascinating. That's just fascinating. Now, how do you spell Venmo? Is it V-E-N-M-O? Correct. Yep. V is in Victor. E-N-M-O. Uh-huh. Venmo. Okay. That's fascinating. I can. I mean, I can see on all of these that have unlimited possibilities and can be a total goldmine for investigation. I'm sure that people that are not investigators that may be listening to this program are probably freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but this is just the tip of the iceberg, right, Ed? I mean, there's thousands of these kinds of things that uh, have various forms of what you're talking about. Exactly. And, and, and the thing is um, with websites and things that we use, they've become so embedded in our daily lives that we really are sharing a lot more than we know. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not specifically a, a privacy expert, but I say, you know, it, it really comes down to what your risk threshold is and what your tolerance is for sharing that sort of information. Um, you know, a lot of people are comfortable. They, they freak out when they know it's out there, but then they know that it's, 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 um, it's stuff that they would tell somebody anyway, or, you know, that they, you know, they're okay with sharing. It's just kind of a little bit of a shock at first when people realize that they hadn't known before um, uh-huh. that, that those things were out there. Um, you know, they might have the intent of the world finding out, but they use the app for its purpose to, because it enriches their life or it connects with others who, who share their interests. And as investigators, um, it's important for us to kind of think outside the box of those typical Facebook, Twitter, YouTube uh-huh. Um, and find those other applications that people find useful um, and, and that would be useful to us just because of the limitless ways people connect today um, and uh, just beyond those those uh, obvious social media platforms. Very good advice. That Very, very good advice. Uh, you certainly broadened my horizon, that's for sure. And, and I'm just <laughs> thinking, you know, if, you know, Equifax has been hacked. Now, today, we get news that the SEC is hacked. And we... We have no privacy, so why even worry about it? You know, exactly. We're all in. <laughs> are Are you concerned? Do you do you set all your privacy settings at? Um, yeah, I think anytime I I download an an app or a website, um, I kind of I look at what's being shared, and then you know I use it with the uh, the goal in mind for me is to you know what. what 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 did I sign up for this app for, and what is the purpose? Um, you know, I'm I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. If anyone would like to add me on on LinkedIn, you know, feel free. I like sharing interesting stories and articles and stuff. Oh, great, good. And and um, you know, I I do check the, the privacy settings, you know, just to make sure that it's in line with what I'm comfortable with. And there are some apps and and websites and profiles where I'm comfortable sharing everything. Like I want people to see. Um, you know, an article that I wrote or something that I found really interesting. Right. And there's some, there's some applications where I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to use this just for its intended purpose and I'm not going to go hog wild and, and adding a bunch of friends to it and, right. and, and using right. it all the time. So, yeah, it, it comes down to the individual's preferences. Okay. Well, we're at the end of our hour, Ed. Why don't you give your website and so in case people want to connect with you? Sure. So the website is nighthawkstrategies.com. Uh, you can email me at info at nighthawkstrategies.com. Um, okay. And like I mentioned, um, you can feel free to uh, add me on LinkedIn. One of the great things I, I, I like about being an investigator is, you know, we all 
share knowledge and help each other on projects because, you know, we really owe it to our clients to make sure that they have the best information possible. So reach out if there's, if there's any um, anything I mentioned that, that is of interest. Um, okay. You can find me we, at Nighthawks. We got to close, Ed. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. And folks, tune in again next week. We have to cut off here as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. I'm, it's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 